Hola, amiga. I believe the only way to create a life of your dreams is by taking massive action that makes shit happen. Basically, amiga, handle your shit. Yes, I said that. Handle your shit. Stop playing small and start breaking down cultural limitations, gain back your feminine power, and become the unapologetic and unstoppable Latina you were destined to be. This show is meant to inspire, motivate, and awaken your soul's potential. You will learn from business professionals, successful entrepreneurs, and creatives that will teach you mental corrections, insider tips, success strategies, and of course, a dose of personal development. I am your host, Jackie Tapia, lawyer, transformational life coach, and entrepreneur. I am also a wife and mom to a little badass Latina. I'm obsessed with changing the Latina's mindset and breaking down cultural barriers so that you can live your best life and step into your true power and start living a life of abundance in all ways and always. Join me for inspiring conversations with thought leaders and learn how to handle your shit. ¿Estás lista? Vámonos. Hello, 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 amigas, and welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. So, amigas, we are entering the season of giving and happiness and holidays and a lot of get-togethers and a lot of events. And so in celebration for this winter season, I'm going to be unleashing a couple of episodes that you previously have heard or have not heard. And this will be your first time. And so with that in mind, I wanted to just give you a little bit of perspective on the actual choosing of certain episodes. Part of these episodes have to do with how I feel in the moment and then also what is going on in our society. And so I decided, okay, we are going to reflect on uh, risk takers in business and loss. And then we're also going to be celebrating the actors that were on strike. And these beautiful actresses that came on my podcast took the time to be with me And now that the strike is over, let's re-listen to these episodes and congratulate them for having a successful strike closure. So without further ado, here are flashbacks for this year. And I'm wishing you a beautiful holiday season. And I can't wait to talk to you in the following year. Hello, 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 amigas, and welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. Okay. Oh, my God. I am so, so, so honored to have this beautiful soul here with us. Her name is Andrea Navedo. And, amigas, you have seen her and you're going to, oh, my God, I can't wait to talk more and more and more about it. So here's the thing, amigas, from Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. You know, I bring a lot of beautiful souls onto this program. And the, one of the blessings that I have that God has granted me is the ability to meet these incredible souls. 
And I had this beautiful opportunity to meet Andrea in person not too long ago at a beautiful Latinas and Power Symposium. And this is the power of connection, of proximity, and about empowering. And let me tell you something. I heard Andrea's keynote speech and I was like, wow, what an incredible soul. She has done so much, not only in her life, but in the public eye and continues to move mountains, amigas. And so here's the thing. She went from one life to live to Jane the Virgin and now to being an author of this beautiful memoir. It's called Our Otherness is Our Strength, Wisdom from the Boogie Down Bronx. And I'm so excited that she's here to talk about all of the things but especially about this new book that she has. And so, Andrea, welcome, welcome, welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here. And I've, I've listened to your podcast, and um, especially with the one with Marilyn. And I was very excited to get to talk with you, too. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Thank you so much. So, Amigas, okay, so let me say something. We all know Jane the Virgin. I saw that program and I fell in love with your character. I thought, wow, this is a true Latina. The portrayal you had of Xiomara was mm-hmm. just so excellent, so pure, so wonderful, and such a positive role model. And mm-hmm. so I want to talk a little bit about that because I know that the reason we're here is because of your book. But I know I would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about Jane the Virgin and how that came about. No, and and, and actually Jane the Virgin makes complete sense when we're talking about the book, too, because Jane the Virgin is part of the journey of my life. And it was a huge part in my life. Like it was just groundbreaking for me in my life and really was a trajectory for me to get ahead. I think uh, whoever ends up reading the book, if they're Jane the Virgin fans, they will love those sections of the book. Yes. And so let's let's talk a little bit about the start of your book. What was your inspiration? Why now? Well, I had been invited to give the commencement speech at my high school alma mater, Dewey Clinton in the Bronx. Here it was, I accepted it. And here I was coming 30 years later after having graduated and what was I going to say to these kids? <laughs> you know, here are these very same kids, black and brown kids sitting in those seats that I had been sitting in 30 years prior. And I imagined what it might be like to be them because I remember and looking at someone who seems to have made it in some way, shape or form. Maybe I might not have been able to relate or I might not have been able to see a pathway from me to that podium, whatever success would be for each person. And so what I tried to do was come up with stories in my life that I thought that they could relate to anywhere from seeing violence or seeing drug addiction or or things like that. You know, I I brought up some of these things in my speech because I thought that I'm pretty sure they either went through it or I saw it at some point in their lives growing up in, in an urban section, an urban place. So I wanted to have them be able to feel like they could relate to me and then paint a path to show some of my struggles, but how I got over them. All of that to say, uh, having affected over uh, a body of over 220 kids and a lot of kids came up to me afterwards saying, thank you so much for sharing your story. I saw myself in that story. 
you know, it excited me. And and when I got the opportunity to write a book, talking with the editor, she had seen the commencement speech and she said, that's a book. I thought, yes, because here was my opportunity to have hopefully a positive impact on more people than just the people I was speaking to at the commencement speech. So one of the chapters that, I mean, I believe that resonates with a lot of women out there is be the captain of your ship. And this is when you talk about Marco. Yes. I really want at least a, a sneak peek about this because I, when reading your book, I felt like that was a pivotal moment. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> so let's talk about that. Yes. Well, I, you know, growing up, I saw violence, particularly violence against my mom by my stepfather. And that is, you know, a traumatic experience. And I've worked through a lot of that in therapy. But also there was some abuse towards me as well. So this was sort of like the norm to me. And so when I got into a romantic relationship, I was here trying to be in love with this boy, Marco. I was 14 at the time he was 16. And I was trying to like just get the love that I needed at the time subconsciously, right? And so to me, when he started to become abusive with me physically, I thought, okay, well, I guess this is what happens in relationships and we will just have to figure it out. But I was only 14. I was in that relationship for two years till I was 16. And I was also having sex um, unprotected and all these other things. And so there was a series of events. And one of them comes up in in the book uh, around a pit bull. He had two pit bulls. I realized that I had to make a change. Like one of the things that I didn't bring up in the book, because there were several stories. There was one time that I had a physical fight with Marco like a physical drag down knockout. No <laughs> I mean, way. You know, and it was like, we're trying to decide what stories to put in the book. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it had gotten to the point where I couldn't take it anymore. Like I was like, there was a part of me that was like coming up that was, was saying, no, this is unjust. This is not right. I deserve better. And I had been taking in so much, so much, so much. And there was just one day that I clicked in my head and I went, no more. I'm not putting up with this shit. And so he was sicking his dog on me. He had the dog on a leash and was sicking his dog on me, trying to threaten me with the dog. And so then I ended up having to tell him, you're so tough. You need a dog to put your woman in her place. I had to do this whole like psychological thing. And I'm here, I'm 16 years old. Oh my God. Did you take any psychological? (laughs) It was like survival, you know, like in survival instinct. And I, and I said, Oh, you, you should lock your dog up because you know, because you can't handle your woman, whatever. And so he goes, I'll lock my dog up. So he locks the dog up and he comes back and he starts poking me in my head. What you going to do now? What you going to do? You're so tough, blah, blah, blah. And I lost my shit. And I literally, I just attacked him. We were fighting in a ball. He could not get him off. He couldn't get me off of him. Like I was so enraged, like every feeling, everything I had seen growing up and everything that I experienced with him. And I just, I let it all out in that moment. So that was one of the two incidents that happened. The other incidents is in the book. That I just said, I need to change my life. I don't want to settle for this. I don't want to be a statistic. I don't want to continue what I see around me. I need to change and I need to take responsibility and be the captain of my ship. You're such a positive role model for Latinas. 
and you play such amazing roles. And and now with your book, you're sharing all these stories. And I can't express enough how there is the power of manifestation and how you witness an actress on a TV set years uh-huh. ago wearing these amazing jeans and uh-huh. now full circle comes into your life. I didn't want to like, you know, I want you to share that uh, yes. with us because it's so cool. It's so neat. Of guess. <laughs> sure. So when I was little, I watching TV, uh, Brooke Shields, the famous model and actress, uh, was was just hitting the scene and she became really popular with the Calvin Klein designer jeans. And I just thought she was so beautiful and I wanted to be her. I, I wanted to be just like her, but I didn't see that as an opportunity for myself. And, you know, I was Latina, living in the hood, on welfare, growing up under adverse, low economic conditions. Like it didn't seem like there were a lot of options for me, especially being an actress or a model didn't seem to be an, op- an option. But, you know, I, I kind of, there was always a part of me that was just like, a dry, I had this like drive. <laughs> I think that was kind of like where the title comes from is that uh, our otherness is our strength, meaning that being the other, not being part of the mainstream or the majority, or for me, it was being Latina Brown from the Bronx. It made me, instead of it breaking me, I choose, I chose to let it make me, right? This is what I try to, to share with people is that I chose to let all of the challenges that came along with being the other, not being part of the majority. I chose to let it make me strong. I chose to let it make me hungry and have drive and tenacity and just keep going. Like, just don't give up kind of, kind of attitude. And I think that that has helped me to be successful in whatever I do. I have to say that I, there's a part of me (laughs) that cringes a little bit when I say that, when I say, oh, to be successful or like to 100% own it, because I'm still a work in progress. I'm still kind of working through my, my shit. (laughs) Um, And it's really hard for me. Um, I'm going to digress now. I'm going to digress a little bit. So you got the keynote speech, right? In the keynote speech, I say... I was the other, blah, blah, blah. And then I come to this place of, but now I am an award-winning actress, producer, published writer. And what I'm most proud of is I'm a damn good mom. Now, I've been working with a, a speech coach. And so we were collaborating on that speech. And she said to me in our collaboration, Andrea, I want you to tell me, what who are you? What are you? And I was like, I, I don't know. What do you mean? Well, I could go on Google and look it up. And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, well, tell me what your accomplishments are. And I was like, uh, uh, and I was like struggling with it. So then I said to her, call my boyfriend. He'll tell you all the wonderful things about me. And she goes, Andrea, you need to be able to say it. You need to be able to own it 100%. And it just was like such a struggle for me to feel like I was kind of being boastful or like, oh, I'm so great or I'm this, I'm that. I'm still working on that one in therapy. (laughs) Well, you know what? I mean, to be quite honest, as Latinos, they teach us not to be boastful. Yeah. Like there were things like, I mean, I remember as a, as a child, someone saying to my mother, oh, your daughter's so beautiful. And she goes, don't tell her that. Oh, I know. (laughs) You know, don't say that. She's going to get her her head. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. And so that gets stuck in our subconscious. 
Exactly. And then we kind of hold ourselves back, right? So it's just, it's a big deal for me to say those words. It's a huge deal. Like I had to, and I still, there's a little part of me that's going, (laughs) (laughs) here's the thing is I want to freaking own it. I want to. And the reason why I'm sharing that is because I'm sure that there are other ladies out there who uh, have this voice that tell them they're less than or not as smart or not enough or all those things, right? I mean, I definitely have that. You know, I think I'll always have it, but I want to get to that point where I'm like, you know what? Just own it more. Just like kind of just take the reins in that sense, right? Just take the reins and go, "Mm, no, this is mine. I earned it. I busted my ass for it and it's mine. And yeah, I am a goddamn award-winning actress. Can you explain to us for any of those ladies that want to write a book, like what what was your process? Did you hire a coach to help you out? So initially I wanted to write, uh, to hire a coach. Um, so I was looking to, I was like, you know what? I'm going to put 10,000. I'll put up to $10,000. I'm going to get me a professional writing coach, not someone to write it for me, but I needed someone like a personal trainer, you know, like someone who's holding me accountable, hold my hand kind of guide me, point me in the right direction, give me advice, whatever. How do you even start this damn thing? <laughs> you know, it's like completely, how do you even start? <laughs> so I threw, I reached out to some contacts and one of them, her name is Sonia White. She's, um, I guess in a way, like a life coach, but she's also a connector of people. Like she's just, and her company's called Dream Development. I said, Sonia, email, Sonia, I'm looking for a writing coach. Can you, can you recommend anyone? Well, what do you want to write about? Well, my first, the first book, because I got end up getting a two book publishing deal, but the first book I wanted to write about is called Listening to My Parts. And it's based on the therapy that I've done and this concept of different parts. So I explained that and she gets back to me. I'm going to introduce you to this editor. I've sent her the link to your commencement speech. So that happened. And I end up meeting with this woman. Her name is Adrian Ingram with Broadleaf Books. I told her my idea about the book. And then she goes, I saw your commencement speech. I think that could be a book too. Can I pitch you to my company? Sure. Okay. Not expecting anything. Um, and so then after three rounds of pitches, I, all of them getting greenlit, they came to me with a two book publishing deal. And they were offering me money on top of that. Like, You're like, what? <laughs> they're offering me more than I was willing to pay. And so then what happens was, Adrian ended up being my writing coach. And so we would meet once a week. The beginning part, which I think a lot of people might find interesting is she wanted me to go through anything I've ever written, like speeches I've given, some of my own writing, like I did on my own, because she needed like writing examples to show the, the publishing company. And nothing was like particularly polished. This was just me doing my thing. And then um, she goes, I want you to go through everything you've ever written and then pull out takeaways. Just come up with all the takeaways that you can put and create a table of contents up to a hundred like titles or takeaways. And from there, we started to hone in and kind of limit it to 20 takeaways. And then she said, you know, and every week it was like, write one or two stories based on each takeaway. And we did that for over a year or about a year's time. And then she goes, Andrew, I think there's enough. I think you've written enough. I think we have a book. Let's start carving it out and breaking it down. And what, you know, what is the message and this and yeah. So anyway, that was the process, but it was like every week I met with her on Tuesday on Zoom. And, uh, and during the week I was off on my own at the coffee shop doing my homework and then to her ahead of time. So that way on Tuesday, she'd already read it. And then we talk again. Well, that's handling your shit. 
you put in the time and just get it done. I'm so grateful that you did that because now we have this beautiful book that Mm -hmm. we get to talk about here. And I'm just so, so in love with you. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that we have so much to talk about, but I know that we're limited in terms of time here. But Mm -hmm. I really want to make sure that, is there anything you want Amigas to know about you and about this book that we haven't discussed already? Well, I I would just say that I think this book is for anyone who is looking for some inspiration or motivation to get ahead in their lives, especially for women of color who um, maybe want to see themselves in an inspirational book. A lot of inspirational books are written by our white counterparts and nothing against them, or even our our black counterparts, right? Because Les Brown comes to mind and, and Lisa Nichols. I love those two, right? Jan Levanzan, another favorite. But, you know, I don't think that there's a lot that are, are on the map really or kind of in the forefront by Latinas. I think that your viewership will be able to see themselves in these some of these stories and see a, a pathway for themselves to get ahead in the world and just to feel good about themselves and to love themselves because that's really what's most important to me. Hello, 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 amigas, and welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. I have an exciting woman here with me today. Her name is Patricia Ray. She's a professional actor. She's been acting for the past 35 years. She joined SAG at the age of 19 after she was casted as a guest star on the 80s series Miami Vice. Oh, I remember watching Miami Vice. I was so hooked on that program. She's an outspoken activist for racial and gender equality. She has struggled to make Latinas visible in a positive light in film and on television. Her break came in the Oscar-nominated film called Maria Full of Grace, where she portrayed a Colombian immigrant living in New York City. Other credits include the star-studded The Big Wedding with Robert De Niro and Diane Keaton, the soon-to-be-released Beyond Paranormal, which she co-stars in and produced, and has guest-starred on many TV series, including Law & Order franchise. She can currently be seen on a recurring character on the scripted series, all rise as the no nonsense judge Delgado on own network. But here's the thing, amigas. She's been working on something really special. So she's also a podcaster and the name of her podcast is Believe This. And she's a co-host with Chris Krim. And they created this podcast to be a safe space to hash out good faith arguments on hot topics and social issues from the different perspectives. And so I'm so excited that she was here to share so much information on podcasting, on acting, on the strike, on all things that make her so magnificent. So amigas, without further ado, this is Patricia Ray. So amiga, 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 Patricia. Buenos dias, buenos dias, amigas. I am so happy to be here. Uh, Do you like to go by Jackie or Jacqueline? Uh, Jackie, I'm good. Jackie, Jackie. perfect. I love Jackie. (laughs) 
I want to apologize to Jackie on air because I was supposed to do this interview last week, but I was busy acting out with my Latina chicks, Latinas acting out. We're a bunch of working actresses. Well, we're on strike now. And we were at Warner Brothers and we were celebrating a national um, Latino heritage or Latinx, Hispanic. We have so many titles for (laughs) And they're all right, you know. So that's where I was. So I do apologize. Thank you for having me. And I'm really excited to like, you know, get into the nitty gritty and talk about my podcast, which is called Believe This. Yes. And we are definitely going to believe this. So (laughs) Patricia, so let's give our our listeners a little bit of context. I know that you're Colombian Americana. So tell Mm -hmm. us where you grow up. I was born in Queens from immigrant parents, both Colombian. They immigrated to America when they were very young. My mother was 19 when I was born. So I grew up in the early 60s, mid 60s. And, you know, I was in New York as a melting pot. So I had a lot of cultures around me and religions and opinions and, you know, uh, different points of view, uh, different just customs. So I come from a background where I really like to absorb and to like have discussions with people, uh, talk about their points of view, the things they believe in, the things they're passionate about. So when I have been living in California now for the last 21 years. And I find that that everyone here has a very myopic point of view sometimes. And you kind of get caught in this whirlwind of everyone's opinion is the same. And if you don't think the same as someone else, then you kind of get canceled, you know? And I'm from New York and I don't stand for that, chicas. <laughs> I, you know, Latinas are opinionated. And I'm very opinionated. So I created a platform for myself where I could have discussions about hard topics from my point of view with my passion and my belief system in a safe space, right? So, you know, I found that that I needed to speak up and I couldn't keep attacking my husband every morning every time I heard something that was driving me crazy. It was was like, it's too early for this. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, fine, I'll create a podcast. Wow. Well, I mean, Amiga, I, I, I was looking through your IMDB and I'm like, oh my God. Like I, I didn't know, you know, the, the correlation between your acting and the podcasting. And I'm like, now that you're speaking up and saying like, yeah, we Latinas were, we like to speak our mind. And to have a podcast is beautiful. And I, and I agree with you. You know, when I started off with this podcast, this was three years ago and coming up with a name, even that mm-hmm. one. And I was like, you know what? After having conversations with Amigas, I was like, well, you know what? Amiga, handle your shit. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of women were like, you know, they were repelled by it because I mean, the word shit. Wow. And to me, I'm like, you know what? It's okay. But it's not going to be about whatever mamadas, as we would say. It's it's about, you know, talk, topics that women want to know, 
It's going to be about, you know, listening through these, through the messages of these luminaries, through experts, actors, actresses. Like I wanted to bring in people that could teach us a thing or two of how we can handle our shit. And so, you know, I get that sometimes people don't like things. They don't, they like things to be a certain way. And when it's not, and it's a bit too controversial, oh, oh, we get canceled all the time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like, I think that we're so polarized right now between, you know, MAGAs and the leftists. And um, it's like, we're all just people, you know, and we don't feel the same about every issue. You know, I can support abortion rights and not want, you know, the COVID vaccine pushed on me. You know, a mandate is not a law. So it's, it's, I am really for people making choices for themselves. We've gotten to a point where we get judged when we don't follow the status quo. You know, it's like you have a right to choose for your family, for your children, and for yourself. And if you don't like it, you don't have to like it, but don't be disrespectful. You know, I can, you know, I can appreciate your point of view. I can appreciate your opinion, right? But I don't have to, I don't have to agree with it. So you love to voice out your opinions and voice out, you know, just, concerns and issues that you see right in your podcast. How did that, I want to link it up with, with your acting, acting career. I'm sure that Bina vocalizing, that must've been really hard to do because how do you, como te vas a quedar calladita when you know there's something really effed up going on? Exactly. And I've had, you know, my fair share of moments on sets where I did speak up and I was told to be quiet or, you know, told that if I caused waves that I could be fired. It's just like you live in a certain, you live in in between in these boundaries because you want to keep working and you don't want to make enemies because in this industry, you're going to work with the same people over and over again. So a lot of times you start to question whether you should say something or not. But I, what I've learned is that if I have doubts about a job from the very beginning, that I don't think that my needs are going to get met, I just say no to that job. I don't put myself in that position anymore where I'm going to, where I'm, you know, I'm not going to be heard and I'm not going to be seen. I was like, why get fired from a job? Just don't take the job, right. you know, don't take a job that doesn't meet your, your standards, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of lessons to be learned, you know? So correlating that to the podcast, we're in the middle of a writer's strike. I'm a super creative person. I paint. I'm writing a pilot right now. I'm not a WGA writer, so relax. I'm not crossing <laughs> the picket lines. I'm not selling it. I took a writing course to write a pilot, so I'm writing it because I spent the money on it. And so I wanted to like I said, I wanted to do a podcast about just having conversations with people, you know, and not having to be like afraid to say, I don't agree with you. I don't see it from that point of view, you know? 
So I created the platform, me and Chris Kremi, mm-hmm. who I knew from Twitter, which is now X. And uh, he had a podcast um, called Come Get Some. And it, um, it covered Scientology and the victims of Scientology. So he got harassed a lot on the platforms for voicing his opinion, for siding with the victims, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he wanted to do another podcast. And I had wanted to do a podcast about healing because I'm also a healer. I'm a Reiki healer. I've uh, done restorative yoga for the last 12 years. I have my own you know, business. And um, I wanted to do the healing podcast, but then I got very intimidated because I didn't have a clear point of view. Mm. And when you have a podcast, you have to really, in order to stand out, you know, because yeah. there's so many of them. You have to be very specific. You, you can give the same information that someone else is giving, but you have to be very clear about your point of view. And I wasn't there yet. So I got intimidated and I didn't do it. So when Chris said, I want to do a podcast, who wants to do it? I said, I do. I have things to say. And he <laughs> said, well, what should we call this? And I was like, well, what do we want it to be about? And he was like, I don't know. Uh, so we like, you know, kind of went over a bunch of themes and stuff. And I said, well, you know, I'd really like to talk about things that are going on that, you know, I'm not really 100% behind mm-hmm. things that I question, yeah. you know. And he was like, well, let's talk about current events but we can talk about it from our different perspectives because he lives in Florida and he's actually, you know, a lot more liberal than I am. And I'm a little bit more moderate and I live in California. So a lot of things here, you know, yeah. So things here really get my uh, chili pepper cooking. And over there, he has so much material from, being in such a conservative state. So it made for a lot of good, you know, banter. I remember when I was a young attorney, I was a legal aid attorney back in the Bay Area. And I remember that they wanted to put a union in there before they started the whole thing. And I was like, why are we getting unionized? I'm a lawyer. Like, if I don't like this job, I can go somewhere else. And that that has always been in my brain. I'm like, wait a minute. like. If I can make money, I I got a license to practice law, then that should give me some, you know, ammo to go somewhere else if I'm not happy. So I never understood, you know, why we had a union in at the at legal aid. I'm like, I just couldn't understand that. After I left, they increased their salary and I said, Oh, okay, I see the purpose now. But then again, I'm still I'm a lawyer. Like I, I can make money. Like that just doesn't make sense to me. But now that you're telling me about they're not getting any residuals, they're all this streaming is happening, which streaming is not that old. If we talk, you know, if we go back, I mean, it started happening all of a sudden. I remember I'm like, Oh, you mean I can watch it on my TV? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know I can watch all of my programs. See, that's the other thing that the, the uh, Producers Guild is doing. So if you used to watch your reruns, 
on yeah. the network, right? Like right. say another episode of Miami, CSI Miami or right. CSI Las Vegas or The Mentalism. But now they all have their own streaming platforms because it's cheaper for them. Yeah. So Hulu, now you watch all your shows on Hulu, yeah. right? So yeah. now that actor doesn't get the okay. same residual that they did when it was rerun on the network. Yeah. And that's totally understandable because I mean, why would we even think that it would go to that level? Like I, like it's just, it didn't make, you know, when you're doing contracts, you know, you have your, your offer, your acceptance, and there's the consideration. The consideration is the part where, you know, the tit for tat, right? There's no streaming at this point to put into the contract. So mm-hmm. it, it behooves you to, yeah, okay. You have someone who's advocating your position because exactly all this stuff didn't happen when you, you were, you became that, that actor, the, in Miami Vice, when you became, mm-hmm. you know, so I get that. So we have all these challenges for, for all the screenwriters and for the actors. And oh my God, it just, it, it seems like it's, I don't know. Are we going to see new stuff anytime soon? <laughs> Well, according to some of the industry insiders, they've been hoarding product for a while, knowing that the strike was imminent. Yeah. But eventually they are going to run out of product content. They like to call it content. And they're going to need to start to make new content. Because there's just so many platforms and people can watch content on anything on their phone, on their watches, on their iPads, on their uh, desktops, on their laptops, anywhere in the gym, on the bus, on a plane, on the toilet. So it's going to dry up. Yeah. 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 They're going to need to start to make new content. So we'll see what happens. We can, we can only hope for the best. You mentioned about you being a healing uh, practitioner, and and so this really works well. I mean, in terms of healing yourself and like really easing into this space, because could be really really challenging for an actor right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, I used to be really angry and resentful in a space where I was like, why, you know, why am I putting all this time and energy into this craft? But it's, I don't feel like it's seeing me. It's not, you don't get me. You don't. And I was like, don't worry about that. You know, worry about being authentic, worrying about being, finding your voice and your point of view and telling stories from your experience. And eventually someone's going to connect to that. If someone else got that job, good for them. You know, be happy for them. Be grateful for them. There's room for all of us. Stop living in this space of anger and anxiety and fear, right? Yes. yes. Once I started creating my own platforms, I stopped living in fear. I was like, I don't care. I'm going to say what I feel. I'm going to be open to the universe. I'm going to put my energy out there. I'm going to welcome other people's energy and support. I'm going to seek out community. And I'm just going to live every day and, and appreciate it. That's it. 
Amen. Amen. I love that. But that's music to my ears. <laughs> yeah, chicas, music yeah. to my ears. Yes, absolutely. So Amiga, as we're closing our session here, can you provide one or two tips on how an Amiga can handle her shit? Absolutely. To me, the most important way for a Latina to handle her shit is to be true to her word. Mm. When you say something, especially when you say something to yourself out loud, right? That's a that's a desire, a dream, a manifestation that you are trying to accomplish. Be true to yourself. Keep your word to yourself, right? If you want to write a book, find the support. Look for the people that are going to support that dream for you. Align yourself with people who have accomplished that already. Give yourself the tools to succeed. And be real. Yeah. be real. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Amiga Handle Your Shit Podcast. If anything resonates with you today, please share it with your friends and subscribe rate and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to share it on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at www.amigahandleyourshit.com. Thank you so much for listening. Gracias y hasta la próxima.